Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. On August 5th, 1949, a team of 15 smoke jumpers parachuted onto the rim of Man Gulch in Montana to extinguish what everyone assumed was a relatively small brush fire on one side of the gulch. They descended into the gulch with the wind at their backs. And then, without warning, the wind reversed and the fire crowned, jumping the span to ignite their side of the gulch. The flames devoured the dry grass, racing toward them. The men scrambled up the slope, trying to outrun the fire, shedding their cumbersome equipment as they went, but it was moving too fast. Foreman Wag Dodge stopped running. When his men saw this, they must have thought he was giving up and continued their desperate flight. But Wag Dodge had had a life-saving insight. With his back to the flames, he took out a match and lit the grass in front of him. It caught immediately, and the wind blew the new fire up the side of the gulch, leaving a trail of charred ground. Dodge called for his men to join him there, crouched down on the scorched earth, covered his head, and waited. Moments later, when the huge, roaring conflagration arrived, it parted and flowed around him and then away from him. Wag Dodge survived. All but two of the other men perished. In John Cuneos and Mark Beeman's book, The Eureka Factor, they write, Wag Dodge's escape fire, though familiar to the Plains Indians, was unknown to the United States Forest Service at the time. The other members of his team must have thought Dodge had lost his mind. The firefighters couldn't imagine any solution other than the most obvious one, flee the flames. They couldn't flip their interpretation of the problem and see fire as the solution. Wag Dodge's insight was a sudden, radical reinterpretation. Fire as problem, fire as solution. He fought fire with fire and lived to tell the story. I don't need to detail my years-long obsession with the story of Wag Dodge and the Man Gulch fire. Let's just say it left me with a question. Was that just some crazy kind of outlying, life-saving insight? Or can we practice keeping our minds open, keeping ourselves alert and our thinking flexible, shifting and reshifting perspective on a problem until a solution is surfaced? Through studies that included analysis of EEGs and functional MRIs, John Cuneos and Mark Beeman discovered 
that an area of the right hemisphere of the brain lights up just at the aha moment. The Times of London, simplifying their research, enthusiastically proclaimed the discovery, get ready for it, of the brain's E-spot. E for Eureka. When you have this experience, you can almost feel that sudden illumination. And we talk about it that way. It was like a spark of inspiration, a bolt of lightning, a flash of insight. And as Albert Einstein of the light bulb moment, it's joyful. Conceiving the theory of relativity, he said, was the happiest thought of my life. If you've never seen The Miracle Worker, the 1962 film starring Patty Duke as Helen Keller and Anne Bancroft as Annie Sullivan, you want to at least take a look at the clip of their interpretation of the moment that Annie breaks in on Helen's dark and silent world. Annie took Helen to the well house and had her hold a cup under the spout as Annie pumped. As the water poured into the mug and over Helen's hand, Annie signed the letters W-A-T-E-R into Helen's other hand. And that's when it happened. In Annie's word, the coming so close upon the sensation of the cold water rushing over her hand seemed to startle her. She dropped the mug and stood as one transfixed. A new light came into her face. Helen later explained, I stood still with my whole attention fixed upon the motions of her fingers. Suddenly, I felt a misty consciousness as of something forgotten, a thrill of returning thought, and somehow the mystery of language was revealed to me. I knew then that W-A-T-E-R meant that wonderful, cool something that was flowing over my hand. That living joy awakened my world, gave it light, hope, and it set me free. I left the well house eager to learn. Everything had a name, and each name gave birth to a new thought. As we returned to the house, every object I touched seemed to quiver with life. That was because I saw everything with the strange new sight that had come to me. It may well be that some people are analysts and some people are insightfuls. These are the categories into which scientists have grouped people who tend to rely on deliberate, methodical thinking versus those who tend to see solutions that just suddenly pop into our awareness, suddenly out of nowhere. But I choose to believe that all of us can cultivate our insightful nature. We know we can't control the arrival of insight. It doesn't respond to ordinary commands. But it can be coaxed. And it would seem that it yields a very different way of looking at things. And perhaps that it comes from looking at things differently. It's the theory behind Gestalt therapy. When we get stuck trying to solve a problem, it's probably because we're just not thinking about it the right way. And there is a way out. John Cuneos and Mark Beeman suggest a three-step process that begins with immersion. 
This is when we're consciously grappling with the problem and immerse ourselves in the facts and the resources and the tools we have to solve it. We're studying it, or maybe we're just kind of swimming in all the details, immersion. Next comes diversion, the moment where we're either really stuck, we've reached an impasse, and maybe we want to take a break, or maybe we need to attend to something else or to sleep. Maybe we're just distracted. Diversion. And then comes illumination. This is that aha moment in which the solution appears. Eureka. In 1891, at his 70th birthday party, the great German scientist and inventor Hermann von Helmholtz gave a speech containing one of the earliest accounts on record of personal strategies for achieving insights. He said, often ideas arrived suddenly without any effort on my part, like an inspiration. They never came to a fatigued brain and never at the writing desk. It was always necessary, first of all, that I should have turned my problem over on all sides to such an extent that I had all its angles and complexities in my head. And then there must come an hour of complete physical freshness and quiet well-being before the good ideas arrived. Often they were there in the morning when I first awoke, but they liked especially to make their appearance while I was taking an easy walk over wooded hills in sunny weather. Immersion, diversion, illumination. This is exactly what happened to Andrew Stanton of Pixar Animation Studios. Among a string of hits are Toy Story and Finding Nemo. Stanton had a new idea for a movie about the last robot left on a hopelessly polluted Earth abandoned by humans, but he was stuck on what the robot should look like. He wanted it to have an expressive face. He'd been at it for some time, immersion, when his editor gave him tickets to a baseball game, diversion. And as it turned out, the tickets were for pretty terrible seats. He borrowed binoculars from the person sitting next to him, but distractedly turned them around before he put them up to his face and found the lenses on the wrong side staring at him. Just then, he says, the answer dropped into my lap. The binoculars looked like a face. Forgetting the ball game, I flexed the inner hinge a few times to create different facial expressions and saw an entire character with a soul in it. Eureka, illumination, the robot Wall-E, would look like binoculars on a stem. For those of us who prize tenacity, it turns out that diversion is really important. It's about incubation, but it's also about changing our setting or mood. The research on this is dizzying. I could go on and on, but I won't. Just this. There are two mindsets for solving problems. We can shift our attention outward or inward. We can shift it at will, which to choose, outward or inward. Well, it turns out that in situations calling for out-of-the-box thinking, 
We want to be focused inward. Our addiction to constant stimulation, hyperconnectedness, and hyperavailability are enemies of insight. Instead, standing in line, waiting in traffic, doing tasks that demand minimal intellectual firepower, dishes, laundry. These tasks can be repurposed for creativity, commandeered for inspiration. Realizing a great idea could also be as simple as a little solitude, minimizing the distractions that might be keeping an insight from surfacing. After all, write Kunios and Beeman, you can't see the stars when the sun is out. This is where the word Eureka comes from, the mathematician Archimedes pondering the equation for calculating density while lounging in his bathtub, was struck with the answer and ran naked into the streets of ancient Greece, proclaiming his discovery. Eureka is Greek for I found it. In these past months, we have been waking up to a country we don't recognize. And I've heard the same question repeated more often than I had heard it in my whole life. What do we do now? I have been inspired, uplifted, and upheld by the ways in which we are devoted to choosing to do the right thing, if only just the next right thing, moment by moment. Apple Computer's storied founder, Steve Jobs, said, innovation has nothing to do with how many R&D dollars you have. It's not about money. Innovation is about the people you have. It's about the people. I thank God that we have each other. Beloved spiritual companions, may we, like Wag Dodge, fight fire with fire. May we know a flash of insight, a bolt of lightning, and like Helen Keller, may we know joy. May we choose to do the next right thing, moment by moment, immersion, diversion, illumination, eureka. In the end, it's all about the people. For me, it's all about you. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear from you via email at office at ASCBoston.org or through our Facebook page. If you would like to support the good work of Arlington Street Church, please consider a contribution by checking the mail or through our website, ASCBoston.org.